0: would be to create content and just put it out there Uh, write about what you like do podcasts. do videos write books put everything for free out there and then if you show expertise and if what you say makes sense then the clients will come to you automatically
1: okay no makes perfect sense and i think you know i think that's one thing is hey Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of the Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has started several uh, seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today um, we have another great guest on the podcast, Bastion Siebman. And uh, Bastion, uh, after uh, graduating from school, um, went and did some things within NGOs, built it up, did some uh, website building and app building, built some other businesses, uh, joined another company or, or joined other companies, now joined a company that's uh, doing software development, doing uh, that, and then doing also a side gig uh, with Asana, um, hoping to hopefully turn that into a future full-time job, uh, but loving his uh, job otherwise. So kind of making that balance between side gig, really two full-time jobs of doing your current job as well as a side gig. So with that, as much as an introduction, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I think you've said everything. I don't have to say anything.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just call it there. That'll be the perfect episode. No, but uh, I gave a quick introduction, and, uh, but maybe just dive into a little bit more of your journey and kind of uh, share how, how, how it went for you.
0: Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, so I think everything started for me during engineering school. Where I started to build websites and build mobile apps and this kind of a side projects. I always always had a side projects. Mm. And uh, it all started with an app that was built for NGOs. And um, with my colleagues, associates, we kind of built that into a small company, a small startup. Mm. And uh, we kind of failed after a while because we didn't find the market we were looking for. And um, there was basically no need for the app we built at the time. Mm. But every time we were discussing with uh, NGOs, they were always telling us, uh, basically, we don't care about your app, but if you can build an app just for us or a website just for us, we might be interested. Mm. And we just didn't want to see this. So we, at the time we just said, no, we don't do that. We're not, we're not like a wave agency. We don't, we can't do that. And after a while, was becoming some kind of a pattern so we just yeah we realized it was the right thing to do to pivot into being a web agency and mobile agency for NGOs around us and um, it turned into a general uh, agency where we would build websites and apps for people around us so yeah basically it's the first step of the journey.
1: So is that so that sounds like almost you pivoted, but not necessarily, it wasn't due to you, but more of that was what the market was telling you, hey, what you're trying to sell us, we don't want, but this is what we want. If you sell this to us, we'll probably pay you. And that was kind of the motivation of that pivot?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I think the biggest mistake we made at the time, which is the biggest mistake everyone does in business, is to go too far to build something too far away so you do like a big app with a lot of features a lot of things and you put a lot of a lot of effort in that and then you go meet the market and it's too late they don't want what you built for the last six months or 12 months you just waited wasted like an entire year building something people don't want it's Mm. a big mistake and i will never do that mistake again so right now when i build something it takes me either one hour or one day I just build the first version of it. And I launch and I see if there's market for it If there's people interested in it. And sometimes I even just ask people before if they would be interested. And if I have no interest, I just don't build that thing.
1: No, I think there's a lot of two things you kind of hit on there. One is, you know, and I, I, would be on the probably the techie engineering nerdy side of things that you always tend to make things more complicated. You're saying, oh, we, we can do these ten awesome things, and really, what the market wants is one or two of those awesome things. And by building the other eight things or whatever number it is, you tend to complicate it, make it more or too many things, too or too feature rich, and it almost detracts from it. And I think that's you know, I I'm of the opinion that you know the hardest apps or the hardest, whether it's websites or apps or other software to build are the simple ones, right? It has a simple interface, dead easy to understand. Everybody can pick it up. It's intuitive. Those are the ones that are, it's easy to build a big one with lots of features that are clunky, much harder to build something simple that's straightforward that people just can pick up and get, and they don't have to invest a lot of time to figure it out. And I think the other one you kind of hit on was, you know, approaching the the marketplace earlier. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of, wisdom in that and you know to go out and I I think that when you approach the marketplace it's either with your you know uh, something that you quickly built up to see if they want it or if you're even asking before but don't go ask your friends and families go ask potential customers ask people see if they'll actually willing to pay for it if they're actually willing to give you money for that type of product because if not if all you ask is is this a good idea or not they'll always be nice and they'll say yeah that's a great idea would you buy it no I wouldn't buy it and then that gives you a much better indication so So you did that, you built the company, you did the websites, you did the apps, and how did that go well? Did you continue to build the company? Did it eventually run out of gas or business or kind of where did did your journey go from there? I
0: think we ended up in a place where we needed to either hire people to get bigger or get acquired by someone or merge with someone or just do something to get bigger because we uh, we were not getting the kind of money we were expecting after two or three years of uh, of entrepreneurship. So we needed to go uh, to the next steps and uh, the occasion just presented itself with someone needing like an IT team, like a team of developers like us. And they actually, they acquired the company and hired us to be their uh, team of developers. So we actually went into building someone else's ideas as developers
1: Mm. so then so did you guys was that the original founders people that were with you on the original company you guys pivoted and did that is that still what you're doing today i think you mentioned that you kind of transitioned over to a software company did you guys join that software company or did they acquire you or did you guys team up or how did that go
0: Yeah, so after the the first acquisition, the three of us uh, worked there for like two years and then we just part ways and went into different companies and I joined another company myself, another Mm -hmm. software company. Uh, We are much bigger. We are 40 people now building a a big B2B uh, software. And um, at the same time, for all those years, I kept all the side projects I had and all, all of those were all revolving around Uh, asana which is a software project management software and um, i started to discover the tool like six or seven years ago i started to write about it i started to really study the tool and see what you can do with it and um, some people started to ask for help so i started to help people and then one thing led to another and now i became a consultant in that space as a side project for my developing full-time job
1: so one question, just taking you back and just a bit, but just hit on. So you had you and your three or a couple other founders or friends that you'd originally started the company with. You guys started to say, hey, we made the first pivot, which was we originally built a software product, but people didn't necessarily want it or wouldn't pay for it. So then you started building apps and websites for other people. How did you, when did you get to the point you're saying, hey, we're each going to part ways or, you know, we're each going to go our separate ways. Was it out of lack of revenue? What people weren't enjoying it? It was, you know, people had better opportunities or kind of what was the catalyst for you guys kind of splitting up and you you deciding to go to another company and them going other ways? Or how did you make that decision?
0: Yeah, the the three of us had a disagreement with the team that acquired the company. So it was just disagreement with the management. Um, We were trying to be very agile in the way we worked and uh, the people that acquired us did not want to be that agile. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but we just uh, didn't get along that well after two years. So we just decided because that was, that was it. And we just needed to do something else.
1: Okay. So now you guys say, okay, we the company that acquired the, you know, your company, not everybody agreed with the direction. Why, where are you going to go? So did you stay with that company or is the company that you joined on with a different company?
0: I joined a different company, just a different team. I just reached out to people on Facebook. I think it was at the time, just saying, "Hey guys, I'm just looking for a new job." And uh, someone I knew reached out to me saying, "Hey, I'm building that new company. Do you want to join?" And uh, yeah, I think the month after that, I was doing the interview and uh, joining the company. A few weeks after that,
1: makes sense. So, so you did that. So, and wh- how do so when you make when you sold off the other company. Did, was that a bittersweet thing? Were you excited to move on? Was it something that you're saying, hey, wish we had had more time or we had an opportunity in front of us it didn't work out? Or, you know, what was the motive? Especially where you guys kind of all parted ways, what was the motivation for selling the company? Just kind of worn out or tired? Or what was the reason that you moved on?
0: Yeah, I guess for us, it was a chance, a chance to see something else and maybe join some bigger project with more ambition, more money, more people, and just see... Because we, we've been we were fresh out of college when we um, worked together and uh, we never actually had a real job with other people. We just, the three of us, we were just working together like since day one after our degree. So it was the occasion for us to just see what's out there and how it is to work with other people and have like a real job in a real company.
1: Okay, no, it makes sense. So So you did that. Now you transition, you go, you go join. I think you said that you're like the 20th employee of another software development company. And then in, in parallel to that, or in addition to that, you also got involved with Asana and doing a side gig. So how did that go as far as, you know, or joining the other company and then how did you stumble on Asana and then how how have you been doing that as a side hustle?
0: I think it's, um, it's all about balance. So you you need to find the right balance. And uh, when you lack motivation on one side, you get the motivation on the other side.
1: Mm. And
0: um, also one side of things actually feeds into the other one. So for example, what I learn at my main company, I can apply in my code in my private uh, side jobs, side hustle. And what I learned in my side project, I can actually bring that experience into my main company. So it actually feeds each other. And in my case, the chance I have is that the comp- the main company is in France, but my main side project is actually worldwide. So I work for for people in the US or in Asia. So it's totally different time zone. So I can do my daily job at my French company. And I can have something with like Asia in the morning and the U S in the afternoon or in the evenings, like, like we are doing right now. And, um, so I can actually have two days, two business days across several hours because of the time zones and, and, and the difference.
1: Okay. So, and what was the, and diving into a little bit of the Asana work and the kind of the side gig was that, out of a necessity of, hey, I'm doing this for my current job and I'd like to, you know, I just need these tools or I need to become an expert. Was it a side interest? Hey, i just like to explore this further. Or how did you kind of, because you talked about, hey, you know, this kind of started out as a side gig. It's growing. You're slowly becoming the a contributor and an authority on it yeah. with the sauna. but it's been a slow burn. So what was the motivation for kind of saying, hey, I'm going to become an expert on this area while still doing the full gi- or full-time gig?
0: Becoming an expert was not the plan at the beginning. It was only, I just needed a tool. So I looked around for the tools and there was a couple of tools at the time and I just chose Asana Mm. and I really liked it. And I built, I I thought it was missing a feature. So I actually built a tool around that tool to give that feature to other people. And then suddenly you have people you don't know, like from the other side of the world emailing you and saying, oh, this is really interesting. What you've done there and then you start discussing and you realize that the community around that tool uh, is starting to be built so you yeah. start to be part of that community and then you're one of the main contributors of that community and then Asana launches uh, their official community forum and then you start and you start entering there and I became the, the first contributor in the world pretty quickly because I was enjoying uh, helping other people and I wanted to try to write a book. So I wrote the first book and people liked it. And I just kept going by building other tools, writing content, doing videos, helping people, basically putting out there a lot of uh, free content for everyone to see. Mm. And uh, one day someone emailed me saying, Hey, I need help. Can, Can I basically pay you to help me? And, um, I was afraid of doing this because of lack of experience and uh, I didn't have a good English level at the time, so I couldn't help them. So I kept pushing them away to other experts. And one day I just decided that I was ready to actually help those people and do the consulting work they wanted me to do. And uh, I never stopped. So I think I helped more than 70 different clients around the world and mm-hmm. I do several hours per week of consulting time. And I really enjoy the work. Around
1: Asana as a consultant okay no makes perfect sense so now one question you know because it sounds like and not putting words in your mouth but that you you know you're, you're almost at where a lot of people that are doing side hustles or side gigs get right in the sense of hey i've got my daytime job to make the money to have the income to support myself and then i've got kind of a, a passion project or something i really enjoy on the side starting to make a bit of money with it and then you're trying to decide a bit hey you know do do I keep this as a passion project? There's a side hustle, just enjoy a little bit of income. Do I put a more concerted or full-time effort onto it? Do I save the, or the full-time job and just dive into that and put, or put this on the side? So how do you kind of decide or make that decision is between leaving something as a side hustle, planning for it to become your full-time hustle, diving all in, not diving in at all, or how do you kind of weigh those, or weigh those things?
0: The first thing is uh, it took years to have some decent money out of it. So mm. it literally took years to get some money. It took a few years to get a couple of bucks a month and it took many, many years to have like a decent income uh, from this. And, um, I, I really like the balance between my day job and that of hustle because for my day job, I have, it's a different ambition. Uh, it's a bigger team. I have colleagues. Uh, I can talk to people during the day. And for the side hustle, basically, I'm alone. So it's nice to be able to decide for yourself, but also you don't have any colleagues. Mm. It's really two different worlds. And I really like to have those two worlds at the same time for now, trying to balance each other uh, the best I can. Mm. And maybe depending on the opportunity, uh, I might be moving towards one or the other uh, direction. I don't know yet.
1: I'm so trying to keep my
0: options open.
1: <laughs> hey, it's always good to have options and always good to have uh, diversity and work and in revenue sources. So, and that's, I think the, the hard thing is, is, Hey, you know, you can, sometimes it's, it's the best decision to dive all in. And I think that's a, probably the number one note that a lot of entrepreneurs hit on is i wish I'd dive in earlier, but you don't. that's always looking back. Hindsight is always 2020, right? And if you knew that you're going to be successful, dive all in on the other hand it's hard to know hey if this doesn't go well if it is just a smaller market or it's only ever going to support a side hustle then you don't want to leave what would be your full-time job and it makes it more difficult so i know you touched on a little bit but any projections as to how you see you know is it just I? Is a plan to kind of continue to slowly build it, build up a clientele, we continue to be an authority on it, and naturally let it evolve. Is it more you're going to start or continue to put a more concerted effort on it, or how do you know? Kind of you're to look at the the next six to twelve months. How does that play out?
0: For the next uh, six to twelve months, I think I'm going to keep that balance the way it is right now, and I'm I'd like to be in a place where I can actually choose my clients. So I'd like to have my calendar full and just decide who I want to work with uh, on what topic with what, what rates, I just mm-hmm. want to decide this. And in order to do that, I need to build, keep building my reputation and my authority and everything. And all the, also all the passive income I have on the side, all the, the tools I'm building, the books I'm writing, I need to keep doing this um, and I need to keep getting better at that job uh, to make sure that I can choose what to work on and with whom. Mm, makes
1: sense. So, well, awesome. Well now as we kind of uh, shift to the two questions I always ask at the end of the podcast. And so we'll jump to those now. So first question I'll ask is, so what was the worst business? And you t- talked about a couple of decisions you made along the way, but maybe, maybe it's the same one or a different one, but what was the worst business decision you ever made?
0: The worst one I've made a couple of times is to not launch uh, early enough. So just wait and wait and wait and build and build and build because I prefer to code rather than uh, picking up the phone and talk with people. So I just code, I code, I code. And um, it's always a waste of time. You should always like try to pick up the phone first. And then once you have people attention, then you build what you know will help them because they told you it's the first step. I think yeah, it's the biggest mistake I've made.
1: Okay. No, it makes perfect sense. So, so doing that now jumping to the second question, which is, so now if you were to say, Hey, for people that are maybe in your same situation that are trying to, you know, do both the side hustle, do a passion project, getting that up and going and taking that kind of that slow burn, as you mentioned, as well as doing the full-time gig and working for somebody else, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: I think it would be to create content and just put it out there. Uh, write about what you like do podcasts do videos write books put everything for free out there and then if you show expertise and if what you say makes sense then the clients will come to you automatically
1: okay no makes makes perfect sense and i think you know i think that's one thing is hey you know too often we kind of get in the spot that it's We all, everybody wants to be an authority, but doesn't want to be seen as the authority, but doesn't really want to put in the time, right? Meaning you want to, everybody to look at you as to have the answers. But really, if you want people to put or see you as authority to generate business that way, to get people to view you in that light, it's got to be with putting in the time and effort of actually doing the work, putting out the content, building the reputation you know, giving people that advice and everything else. And as you do that over a period of time, then it starts to grow, but it's not, if not putting maybe words in your mouth, but I think that that's the myth that people sometimes get sucked into is I can become an authority within a few days or a few months. And it's a much slower build than that. Is that a fair assessment?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And um, what's good if you put free content out there is that clients actually come to you and they already know you because if, read about things you do. They've seen videos of you, interviews, and they they know you. So you don't have to convince them of your knowledge because they already seen that you know a lot of things. So you just discuss the details, but if they come to you, it's half the work is already done. Rather than having someone that didn't share anything online and you have to defend yourself, you have to to explain why you think you're the best. Mm. And I think it's better to just show everyone what you do. Everything, I When my clients pay me to teach them stuff, everything I teach is already available for free online. Mm. So they just buy the time and the knowledge I have so they can save time themselves. Mm. So they, they see everything you put out online and just come to you to get like a summary or a very specific answer on their very specific problem.
1: No, I think mean, that makes perfect sense. Well, as we wrap up, if people want to know you know, whether it's utilize your software developing skills or more specifically on Asana, if they have questions, if they want to hire you, they want to pick your brain, find out more, follow you, and everything else or everything in between, what's the best way to connect up or, uh, or contact you?
0: Uh, they can go to my website, minimalist-work.com, minimalist and they can also find me on LinkedIn.
1: Perfect. Well, I certainly encourage everybody that, uh, has any questions that, uh, is wanting to connect, connect out or talk with an Asana expert and uh, get some uh, expertise on that to reach out to you, Bastion. Well, thank you for coming thank on you. the podcast. It's been fun to talk a little bit about your journey. Um, now for all of those of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, and you'd love to come on the podcast, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. If you're a listener and you uh, make sure to click subscribe so you get a notification of all the new episodes as they come out. And lastly, if you ever need any help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP law. We're always here to help. Bastion. Thank you again. Wish you the next journey even better than the last and excited to see where life takes you. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye.